This is An American Workplace, a podcast dedicated to re-watching and discussing NBC's beloved mockumentary series, The Office. My name is Katie White, and joining me as always is my good friend and co-host, Chad Hopkins. Hi, Chad. How are you? I'm doing all right, Katie. I was battling sickness a little bit earlier this week, but I'm feeling much better this weekend and ready to tackle a new work week. How about you? Oh, no. Sorry to hear that. I am good. Had a lazy Sunday off, so just lots of... uh, gearing up for the week ahead so it was nice to have a lazy day yeah that was me yesterday i slept in quite a bit and then i went to the movies uh saw it finally and thought it was great uh i i'm assuming you didn't see it (laughs) you cannot see me shaking my head furiously right now i am not seeing it my boyfriend is dying to get me to go with him and i'm pretty sure he'll have to pay me to go uh not my thing (laughs) we'll see we, we had that Twitter conversation a couple of days ago where you responded <laughs> to one of my tweets about scary movies. See, I don't get scared very easily, especially when it comes to scary movies, but uh, to each their own, you know, that's the way it goes. See, for me, it's not the two hours in the theater. It's the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> so I, I can handle the two hours. It's It's the next 75 years that I'm worried about. There was once in college several years ago when my roommate Andrew and I went and saw Paranormal Activity 2. And we came back, and he hung up crucifixes all over our shared bedroom. So I, I do oh, know a little gosh. bit of that struggle. He, he He's a little bit more on your level when it comes to scary movies, but he enjoys them nonetheless. So anyways, only news for this week. No new reviews to speak of, but this is our 10th episode, believe it or not. We did it. Let's hang up the mics. We've done it. We're done. <laughs> yeah, we're done. Forget the, the other however many, what, uh, 180 episodes. <laughs> Even more than that, 185 at this point. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, but thanks everybody for listening. Um, we're we're having a great time doing the show, and even if we just have a few listeners, I think it's worth it. I, I'm enjoying going back through the show with this level of detail, so I'm just glad that there's people out there listening who seem to be enjoying what we're doing so far, so thank you. I'm definitely enjoying it too. There's a lot more detail that I didn't pick up on in my casual watching, but now that I'm really, really watching with, with focus and purpose, it's brought a whole new light to the show, which I've really enjoyed. Same. You know, most of the time I'd watch The Office, yeah, there were a couple, there's always those episodes where you just really have to pay attention. But a lot of the time it was sort of like background TV, especially last year watching through the whole series twice. I wasn't completely riveted to the screen every single second of the show. But for this show, I'm trying to be detailed. I'm trying to cover everything. And so when I'm watching an episode for the purpose of this podcast, then I am I am all in. And so I, you're right. I, I'm missing or I'm catching a lot of things that I missed previously, which is awesome. I'm actually watching with captions most of the time now just because there are so many little phrases that get lost or are really, really quiet when they're said, which I found to be an interesting thing to do. So I might recommend that to somebody. I think we should just dive right in. So this is season two, episode 13 of The Office called The Secret. It aired January 19th, 2006, directed by Denny Gordon, written by Lee Eisenberg and Gene Stibnitsky. In this episode, lots of people in The Office have secrets, as you might have guessed. Oscar may or may not be sick. Dwight and Angela may or may not have a thing going on. And Jim has a crush on, or used to have a crush on Pam, which unfortunately Michael now knows after Jim told him so at the end of Booze Cruise, which we discussed in episode nine. The whole rest of the episode is Jim spending time with Michael to keep his secret from leaking, Michael thinking that him and Jim are best friends, and Dwight conducting a complete investigation into whether or not Oscar is actually sick or just taking a long weekend. 
And all of this is against the backdrop of the rest of the staff doing some January spring cleaning around the office. Kind of one of those episodes to me that there's not a whole lot going on. I think both this episode and The Carpet, which is our next episode, not a whole lot happening, but a lot to be said about it, if that makes sense. I think so, too. I especially had a lot of notes for The Secret, mostly because there were a lot of specific character moments that I really wanted to remember. So just starting with the cold open, Michael walks in on Jim telling Pam a joke, and she's laughing. And so he wants to know what the funny is. What What's, what's everybody laughing at? So Jim introduces him to the infamous updog joke. And so Michael is... It takes him a second to get it, which is, uh, I don't know what that says about him, but it, it does take him a second to understand uh, this this joke that Jim has sprung on him. And all of a sudden he thinks it's the coolest thing. And so he runs around the office trying to get everybody else in on the joke, trying to, to successfully pull off the same joke. So he goes to Stanley and he's on the phone as always when Michael comes knocking and uh, he won't answer. Then when he asks Ryan and he asks Kevin, neither of them say or respond to the question about Updog that the way he wants them to. And then he finally goes to Dwight and he he finally gets the response he wants. Dwight says, what's Updog? And Michael just like snickers and says, oh, gotcha. And then he realizes <laughs> that he messed it up by uh, replying with a gotcha instead of nothing much. What's up with you? And then he he walks into his office all dejected and Jim mouths to the camera so close. And it's just a it's a great classic non-related cold open to the rest of the episode. But some of those are really the best, in my opinion. For any possible first time viewers of The Office, you may notice that the cold opens rarely have anything to do with the rest of the episode, which is kind of a fun way to like usher in this episode with usually a very funny, unrelated scene. Cold opens are, are really a, a trademark of the show. And I mean, there have been other, uh, lots of other shows that use them all the time. But off, The Office really, it's, it's the cold opens that stand out in a lot of people's minds. And there's a lot of cold opens that people can point to specifically as their favorites. And this is just one of those old school, classic, early cold opens for the show. Yeah, I think it's one of their best ones to date. I think so, too. Uh, up to this point, it is one of the, the funniest for sure. So... Michael has set the office out to do spring cleaning. And he says, if you do the spring cleaning in January, because that's what it is currently in the context of the show, it's January. If you do it now, you don't have to do it later. What comes? What happens when the spring comes around? You don't have to do anything, uh, which is exactly <laughs> Michael's vi mindset on a lot of things. If, if you do it now, you don't have to do anything later. Uh, not right. exactly how that works, <laughs> but... He has everybody assigned, or he has Dwight assigning everybody to different tasks, uh, including like replacing urinal cakes for Meredith in the men's restroom and all this other stuff that really nobody wants to do. But hey, it's it's stuff to do, I suppose, in uh, a paper sales office. And Michael also, regarding the Jim Pam secret, Michael has it in his head, and you mentioned this in, in the plot summary a bit, but he now, because he knows Jim's secret, thinks that he and Jim are best friends and that they hang out all the time, but mostly at the office, Michael says. And um, he really, really wants to be Jim's best friend. And so I love his little comment in his talking head. Uh, he says, we're, we're great friends, which is why I intend to keep this secret for as long as I possibly can. <laughs> like he, he even knows that 
I know myself. I know I'm probably not going to keep this secret for very long, but I will try to hold it in as long as possible. And it doesn't make it more than just a few hours. I mean, he really lets that one slip pretty early. Yeah, there's that great initial scene where Pam and Kelly are talking and Pam says, you know, I've bought my veil. And Kelly says, I want to be a bridesmaid and then asks how she's going to wear her hair. And so Pam takes her hair down and says, you know, I'm thinking about wearing it down like this and all that kind of stuff. And then Michael walks in and says, oh, you should wear it like that all the time. It's much sexier. And she immediately puts it back up into a ponytail. And then he walks by Jim's desk and says, man, this must be torture to you. And that's when Jim says, okay, maybe I need to, to intervene here before any more of these comments get made in public. And so he says, hey, Michael, what I told you on the cruise, that, that was between you and me. I'd really appreciate you keep it between us. And Michael says, who else knows about this? Jim says, only you. And that's when Michael thinks, oh, man, we are best friends because I know a secret that nobody else knows. Man, Jim and I must be best friends. He tries to make small talk with them when he wouldn't have otherwise. Jim's getting a soda in the break room from the vending machine. And Michael walks up and says, so do you, you see the game last night? Jim says, what game? And Michael just says, uh, any of them? <laughs> <laughs> He's just trying to make small talk, but he, he, he doesn't really have the context for that kind of stuff. And he asks in that same scene for an update on the pee situation. And Stanley has walked in at this point and is picking out his own soda. And he says, you know, P, P, A, M. And he says, it's, it's okay. We're, we're speaking in code. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, Michael, who do you think you're sitting in front of a five-year-old? No, this is Stanley. He can figure things out. And Jim just sort of walks off at that point. He, he really is the world's worst confidant, like Jim said in A Talking Head just a, a couple scenes earlier. And Michael gets angry at Stanley because of the interruption. And he, he has this great improvised moment from Steve Carell where he selects peach iced tea on the vending machine. And he just stares at him and says, you're going to hate it <laughs> because he's so angry that he ruined his moment. Yeah, his face at that moment is so funny to me. I laugh every single time he uh, peach iced tea. You're going to hate it. He's just so angry at ruining his, <laughs> this new blossoming friendship with Jim, which as far as we know, I mean, Jim and Michael definitely don't hang out. Michael doesn't know a whole lot about Jim. All he really has is this one nugget of secret, and he is milking that for all it's worth, and he's so excited that he's the only person that knows and he's risking any possible friendship with Jim over this secret. And he decides that they should go out for lunch together. And because they're bros now and they're, they're just dudes hanging out, he thinks, oh, man, I know the perfect place. And he takes him to Hooters and that thus, thus resulting in one of the most cringeworthy scenes in the show up to this point. Uh, they're sitting in Hooters and he says, hey, Jim, you should order some milk. Do you get it? And then he has this this short talking head where he says, why do I like Hooters? Well, I will give you two reasons. The boobs and the hot wings. <laughs> Not typically how that joke would go, but uh, if, if you like some hot wings, good for you, Michael, I suppose. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and, and then he, he when the waitress walks up, he like bows down to her and says, we're not worthy. And he's just hamming it all up. Then he orders chicken breast, hold the chicken. And it, oh man, he is so so awful in this scene he's like treating it as some sort of giant inside joke or or guys thing but jim is humiliated uh he even tells the waitress it's jim's birthday and so they come out with this apron with cleavage on it and has balloons behind it and they sing and dance the hokey pokey with their front sides 
Uh, it, it is the most cringeworthy scene. It, it's insane. And John Krasinski says in the commentary that he's like, if you ever want to see me embarrassed, that's it right there where all those girls are dancing around me. Good Lord, I was embarrassed because he says you can tell because his head doesn't move and he just gets really still. And when you watch it, it's true. He like completely shuts down and freezes. And it's really funny. What's funny about this whole Michael Jim dynamic in this episode to me is that we've seen Michael do this exact same thing with women whether it was in Hot Girl and he completely goes after Amy Adams' character, Katie, uh, because he thinks she might have the slightest bit of interest. And then when that whole Jan situation that happens in The Client, he goes all in and then he, he thinks that things are so much more serious than they actually are. And here he is doing the exact same thing he's done with these women in the past and continues to do with women in the future uh, with Jim. And he, he's aping him in every possible way. He's he's getting the same soda as him. He's trying to make sports talk with him because he thinks Jim is a big sports guy. And he eventually muffs up his hair to look sort of like Jim's haircut. It, it is absolutely insane how far Michael takes this supposed best friendship. It's just like any other relationship. You're right. He is desperate for any relationship. Girlfriend guy friend anything he's just desperate he uh i was thinking about the the grape soda you're right he he uh copies jim's choice of grape soda and when we met katie um she she expressed that she likes coffee and so michael goes all out and buys that espresso machine and makes coffee jokes all day and just really overdoes it with very little information he takes a little bit of information that he has on somebody and just runs with it. But then when he accidentally lets slip to Toby and Kelly and Angela in the annex that Jim is having a hard time, he's depressed, he has a crush on a woman he works with who's engaged, well, just lay it all out there, Michael. I mean, who else is it going to be he's talking about? And so at that point, he goes back to his office all dejected. Oh, man, I've done it now. And he fixes his hair back to normal because he thinks that Jim won't want to see him aping him anymore. <laughs> and then when when Jim uh, confronts him at the end of the episode, and this is after Jim has already talked to Pam about it and said, listen, it's no big deal. We'll talk about that in a second. But Jim comes up and he says, man, what happened? And it just destroys Michael. He starts crying. He's like, I, I, I just hope this doesn't affect our friendship. <laughs> he gets so <laughs> upset and he's, he's weeping. Oh, red in the face. Yeah. And then Jim uh, says, hey, it's okay. He goes up to him and Michael like hugs him around the hips <laughs> and puts his face in Jim's crotch. Basically, it's it's so awkward. I don't know. I don't I don't really know where to go from there. It's it's crazy how much this affects Michael and it's not really his problem necessarily. Shall we move on to Jim and Pam a little bit? Yeah, let's do it. So what 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 do you want to talk about first with them? This is the first time that Jim has really told Pam anything about how he feels. When they're in the break room and he says, you know, so I just want to tell it to you before you hear it from somebody else that in the booze cruise, I told Michael that I, when I first started, had a crush on you, and uh, I just want you to know that it's it's no big deal, I'm way over it, but I just wanted you to hear it from me before you heard it from anybody else. And while that's partially true, yes, he did have a crush on her a long time ago, he still has a crush on her, but it's the first time, I think, that he really told her anything. And then, of course, tears her down right away 
Oh, my heart breaks for Pam um, as she's leaving the break room. Jim says, well, you know, I'm, I'm way over it. I don't feel that way anymore. And she goes, okay. And kind of turns around and you, you see her face fall because we assume she has feelings for him too. And he kind of tears her apart as she walks away. Yeah, she almost had a bit of excitement about it. She was sort of like, oh, Jim Jim does like me. Maybe, maybe I need to reconsider. I don't know if that would actually flash through her mind at this point, but... She clearly is upset when when Jim says, listen, it's not a big deal. It's it's over. I'm over it. It's not a big deal. And she just says, OK. And it's almost like, OK, I get it. You didn't have to to like Stop really yeah. yeah, drive it into the ground like that. It's funny how telling Jim is and a couple of his talking heads in this episode. There's one where he said it's after the secret is leaked and everybody in the office is talking about it. And he says, OK, the cat's out of the bag. I used to have a crush on Pam and now I don't. And he hesitates before he says the word don't. It's just sad to hear him talking about this as a as a past crush. Like he really is past it and he is not at all past it. He's he's still very much recovering because it it's it's painful. It it's it's not a long time ago like he's trying to insinuate to Pam. It's recent, it's ongoing and it's painful. And uh even though he's he's sort of torn Pam down at the end of that that moment, Michael, ever the hero, comes in to and accidentally let slip to Pam. No, it was it was like now it was recently it was on the booze cruise. Um, he he doesn't officially give her the answer she wants, but she says, "Wait, Jim told you on the booze cruise that he had a crush on me, or he had a crush on me on the booze cruise." And Michael says, "Nope, nope, nope, not going there." And then. Pam is a little bit her spirits lift a little bit because hey maybe maybe Jim does still have some sort of feelings for me I did have a couple more moments just for um a few other more minor characters in this episode anyway it's not so minor for this character though Oscar was not just sick was he he was out on a date with big reveal a guy <laughs> so we learned that Oscar is gay which is his big secret for the episode and Dwight, who is put in charge of the Oscar investigation, finding out if Oscar is really sick or not, um, camps outside of his house, and his car is not there, Oscar's car is not there, and so when Oscar's car finally pulls up, Dwight says, aha, you weren't sick at all, and then he has a talking head that says, I learned something about Oscar today. He really wasn't sick. And he <laughs> totally missed the fact that Oscar's gay, which we did not know until now, and Dwight totally missed that. <laughs> He did. And it's nice that it's finally out there, if not for the whole office, at least for us as hosts of an office podcast, because right. <laughs> we've sort of alluded to it in the past. But I, I tried to be as sort of down low, low key about it as I could. Uh, but it's it's out there. Oscar is gay. He's living with Gil, his boyfriend, and uh, they were enjoying a day out together, ice skating and shopping, it appears. Uh rather than actually being sick. Uh, but it gives Dwight lots of fun opportunities in investigating him. Uh, first, when when it's discovered that Oscar is sick, he go, he's gone to accounting and Angela tells him that Oscar is out sick. And he says, that's unacceptable. And Angela responds, I agree, it's unacceptable. And they, they share this moment where they just sort of stare at each other and like the corners of their mouths twitch rather than outright smiling. And they're they're staring at each other for a moment. And Kevin just looks up at them and says, what are you guys doing? And then they split. Um, 
it's a small moment between those two characters. And then when Michael calls Oscar saying, hey, just checking up on you, how you feeling, or I heard you were sick, uh, Dwight is insisting that Oscar knows that he is there as well. And then when he, he asks Michael, hey, ask him his symptoms. I'll look him up on WebMD. And so he types in the symptoms as <laughs> Michael reads them out, even though Michael, he, he doesn't really want to go with Dwight, but he does. And Dwight says, it checks out. <laughs> it was for the flu. So it was something that everybody knows the symptoms of the flu, you know, fever, chills, <laughs> achy, like normal stuff. And, oh, he checks out. He's, he's, he's in the clear. <laughs> and most people would leave it at that. But Dwight says, you know, if I wanted people to think I was sick, I would sound like I was sick too. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the, the stupidest <laughs> comment. Dwight just gets lucky and happens to be right in the end of it. Uh, he, he starts this full-on investigation. He's interviewing everybody in the office, asking all these stupid questions. He calls Oscar himself again and says, sounds like you're too sick to come into work, but you're well enough to go to the pharmacy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the whole purpose <laughs> of going to the pharmacy is to get medicine to get better. Um, and then right after that, he has that, that funny talking head where he calls Oscar a perp. He says, there's several ways to tell if a perp is lying. They avoid eye contact. They cover their face, usually their mouth. They perspire. But none of that is useful because I spoke with him on the phone. And that's when he goes out to uh, to actually investigate in person and stake out his house. But what's funniest about that talking head to me is that Michael, he confronts Michael about drinking grape soda as he's talking to Jim and trying to make conversation. And he says, fact you never drink grape soda. Fact, you never talk with Jim. And during this confrontation, Michael is showing all of these signs of lying that he just described. He He's avoiding eye contact. He's sweating a little bit. One, because he's Steve Carell. And that's sort of what Steve Carell does from what I hear is sweat. But uh, it, he's, he's showing all the signs of being a, a lying perp. And Dwight just says, I know you're telling the truth because it's Michael and he's not going to assume Michael is lying at all. It's It's, it's funny. The sad part about Dwight in this episode, or maybe it's just the way I interpreted it, at the end, after he's discovered that Oscar was lying, uh, he says, I promise not to tell Michael about your fake illness if you will grant me one huge favor redeemable by me at any time. And maybe this is just me. I, I don't know. The what, what I assume is that the favor was to spend the evening with Oscar and Gil watching TV. Is that how you interpreted that as well? Not at all, honestly. Oh, okay. Um, then maybe it's just me, but I just no, assumed that the, the favor it, was, yeah. okay, I want to hang out with you guys like right now. And so that- I would kind of like that. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it's fun in a certain respect, but it also is like, oh, that's sad. Like your favor is yeah. to hang out with these guys. Like that shouldn't be a favor. That should just be a friendship thing. Right. But being a friend isn't a favor. No. I, I kind of took it as Dwight being the kind of guy that always wants somebody to owe him something or, you know, I did you a favor. Now now I have to do you one. He's all about, you know, fairness and rules. And I, I kind of think maybe that was where he was going. You know, I do you a favor. Now you owe me one. Yeah, I, I definitely saw that. But then I like I thought the same thing. But then I thought that he redeemed it immediately by going in with them and watching TV. And of course they're holding hands behind his back and he leans back clueless as to what's going on. 
I don't, maybe that's just my interpretation. Um, hey, I'd be yeah. curious to hear. It's totally valid. Yeah, I'd be curious to hear any listeners who might, might have thought the same or thought differently. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's a moment later this season or next season or later in the show at some point where Dwight does cash in that favor that I'm just not remembering. But in the moment, that, that was my thought. So I did have some funny moments that we didn't uh, mention in our character interactions. Um, I love the line from Michael as he's asking Dwight to investigate Oscar. He says, an office can't function efficiently unless people are at their desks doing their jobs. When he's asking Dwight to leave his office, to, to leave his desk and leave the office and go investigate Oscar all day, which is really just now two people are out of their desks. Now two people are gone and we have two fewer people to run the office. It's just, if somebody's sick, let him be, you know, like we don't have to go send the whole out send the whole office out to investigate them. Well, Dwight... And then... Oh, uh, go ahead. Uh, Dwight does his whole pre-investigation around the office, and he goes to Michael and says, well, I interviewed everybody in the office, and Michael just interrupts him and says, hey, just go to his house and see if he's sick or not. I could have done this whole investigation in 20 minutes. And Dwight says, including prep time. And Michael just says, go, go. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's funny that it does take two people out, and Dwight has to go full on and just camp out and make sandwiches and drink coffee or whatever uh, right. all day long. I also love that when um, Michael and Jim are at Hooters, Jim immediately orders a ham and cheese sandwich, which is exactly what he brought to work that day. He is, <laughs> yes. he is set in his ham and cheese sandwich. That's what he's going to have. He's not going to give in to Michael's like crazy Hooters bro date. He's just going the simple route. He always has his ham and cheese. And then one other funny moment that I actually had never caught on to um, until today, actually, was when Jim is leaving Michael's office for the first time this episode, Michael says, my lips are sealed, and then he starts singing a song, which he then says, oh, the Bengals. It's actually by the Go-Go's. It's our lips are sealed by the Go-Go's, and he quotes it as the Bengals, which is incorrect. And then one more Michael thing is he's talking about his work-related magic set that he bought on the corporate credit card. And again, today, I had also, I was very proud of myself. I caught two things. He, um, he's wearing a false thumb in oh, that is he? Uh, shot. Yeah, I think that's on his right hand, our left by perspective. It's a false thumb that you would put like water or, you know, a powder in or something to do a magic trick. And I only saw that because I watched it on the big TV today and not on my little computer screen. But he's wearing the false thumb from the magic set. I didn't catch that. I'll have to go back and check that out. That's funny. And that, that whole magic supply joke is really funny anyways, because Michael is trying to to put off this Hooters trip with Jim as a business expense. And Toby says, am, am I going to have to take away your corporate credit card again? And uh, <laughs> the, the first time he got it taken away was because he spent $80 on magic supplies. And he, he tried to pass that off as a business expense, too, because it was for impressing potential clients. So business related. And when he's arguing this point with Toby, he says, and they almost bought from me. <laughs> he, he wasn't even successful. So, of course, it wasn't going to get uh, put off as a business expense. Now, a couple others. Jim. There's there's just this one small small moment where he's antagonizing Dwight as he does, and he's patting sticky notes on Dwight while Dwight is confronting Michael about uh, talking with Jim and all that kind of stuff. And so he he jumps out with a sticky note and puts it on Dwight's front, and Dwight peels it off. And as Dwight is exiting, going back to the main office, he puts one on the, like the small of his back where 
uh, Dwight can't reach very well. It's just a, a funny little moment of an- antagonizing. It's it's the little simple moments with Jim and Dwight that I really love. That it's just tiny, unelaborate, unsophisticated ways to prank Dwight, which are always really fun. I agree. And then um, just a few Dwight alone moments when he's talking with Pam at the receptionist desk about Oscar. Uh, he says he, he's eating jelly beans from the container that she always keeps up there. It's there the entire run of the show. There's this little container of candy and right now it's jelly beans and he wants to eat all the, the black ones, the licorice jelly beans, which I typically avoid because I'm not a huge fan of licorice. Which I think that's everybody's least favorite. <laughs> right. Which normally. is <laughs> like, that's the least favorite one. Which is why it's so funny that Dwight loves it. Right. <laughs> his teeth are gross and stained and all black and he's constantly chewing as he's talking to Pam about it and it's just like disgusting but it's also hilarious and after Dwight leaves uh, and he's been digging through the jelly beans the whole time for th- these specific color jelly beans and Pam just takes a whole container and dumps it in a trash can because <laughs> I don't I don't want to have any of these I don't want anybody in the office to be exposed to these after Dwight has had his way with them like that that's our second gross or that's our first of two gross Dwight eating moments in this episode. The other is when he's in his car staking out Oscar and he's talking about how he trailed his ex-girlfriend because she, he believed that she was cheating on him and he takes a big bite of his sandwich and he says, well, she was so, you know, jokes on her or something like that. And he's all mystery solved. Mystery solved. That's right. And he's all like gross chewing his sandwich with his mouth open and ugh. He needs to learn how to keep his mouth closed. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of sad, too, because he's like, yeah, I, I trailed my girlfriend and she was cheating on me. I was right. She was actually cheating with two guys. So, yeah, uh, mystery solved. Like, he yeah. <laughs> gets sort of progressively dejected as he realizes, yes, I was right. I was successful. But at what cost? Yeah, she's my ex-girlfriend now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last Dwight moment I had was uh, when he has made the deal with Oscar to not tell Michael that he was faking it. He says, should I have reported Oscar's malfeasance? Probably, but now I know something he doesn't want me to know. So I can use his malfeasance to establish leverage. Otherwise, it's just malfeasance for malfeasance's sake. (laughs) (laughs) He adds a couple extra syllables there. I also just thought it was funny how Kelly... Going back to, to Pam a little bit, how Kelly asked Pam to be a bridesmaid, when until this point, I'm not sure we've ever even seen them speak alone and definitely not be really close friends. But we're getting these two episodes, we get a bit more into the Kelly we know and love, having watched the whole series. Pretty assertive, pretty uh, outgoing, and her asking to be a bridesmaid, which I don't think is something anybody should really ever do that's up to the bride or you know to be a groomsman up to the groom pretty bold of her to ask to be a bridesmaid and pam's reaction just um (laughs) it's just (laughs) totally not even sure how to answer that question and then kelly says you don't have to answer right now but how are you going to wear your hair and she she changes the subject herself (laughs) now i have just a few more uh small ones a couple or a few involving ryan actually Uh, There's one where Dwight has decided he's going to investigate Oscar. And so he goes up to Ryan and says, hey, Temp, can you head up the spring cleaning so I can do this investigation? And do you think you can handle it? And Ryan says, I think I can. Dwight says, do you think or do you know? And Ryan says, I think. Dwight just goes, oh, God, 
here you go. <laughs> he tosses him the clipboard or whatever. And then later when Ryan is cleaning out his desk drawer, he's going to clean out his desk drawer. He opens it and there's nothing inside. And so he has this talking head about how he says, you know, I could clean out my desk in five minutes and nobody would even know I was here. And I'd forget too. And then he sort of stares off longingly while the camera lingers, like he's daydreaming of life outside of Dunder Mifflin. It's like, man, he really is miserable here, but he, hey, he's still here. It's not a guy who loves his job. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. And then the, the other Ryan moment is when he goes up to Creed and he asks Creed, hey, did you organize the menu books like I assigned to you? Creed says, oh, I thought that was more on a volunteer basis. Ryan says, no, it was mandatory. Creed says, oh, I thought it was a volunteer thing. And just sort of tosses him aside and Ryan's sort of confused and he just walks away. He doesn't press it any further. Uh, I don't know how fruitful arguing with Creed would be. Well, that might wrap it up for our discussion of the main episode. There was a commentary on this episode, though. Thank goodness. So what did you have on that? What are a couple of things you had? Well, first off, I loved that they sang along with the theme song in this particular commentary. Uh, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. And according to one of the writers, I don't know if it was Lee Eisenberg or James Stepnitsky, I think they were both in the commentary. There were nine secrets in this episode. I don't know what all of them were. I don't know if he was completely serious, but uh, worth considering, worth thinking about a little bit further. Uh, maybe not right now, but uh, right. <laughs> still, I I'd be curious to know what all nine secrets are if they were serious about it. We listed the three. So Jim and Pam, Oscar, and the more minor one is Angela and Dwight. But six more would be would be challenging. I just love any time that Jenna and John do a commentary together. Jenna Fisher, Pam, and John Krasinski, Jim. They're obviously really, really close characters on the show. And they're very good friends in real life as well, Jenna and John. And they're so complimentary of each other. So I, I get why the Office fandoms just die for them to be together in real life. They both are married, but they just are so complimentary and so nice to each other in real life and such good friends that it's it's nice to hear them compliment each other's acting and their their choices made on camera. I always enjoy when they're on together. Jenna mentioned that after the episode aired, she actually called John and called him a superstar. She said, true story. So that was interesting. <laughs> and, and also interesting was how she said after that scene where Jim sort of uh, tears her down and says, hey, it was a long time ago. I'm over it. It's not a big deal. Jenna, the actress, left that room, left the break room, and actually cried after that take, which is really depressing. But uh, it shows, I guess, how invested into their characters these actors and actresses are, which is really cool. And coincidentally, it was also her favorite episode, at least till the point where they recorded the commentary. Um, I don't know at what point that was, how long after the episode aired, but they, up until that point, that was Jenna's favorite Jim and Pam scene. And something I just want to uh, address, I suppose, is Mindy Kaling was in the commentary as well, uh, Kelly, and she's one of the, the writers for the show. She points out that back in The Fire, which was early in season two, uh, Oscar was, she said, established as straight because he said he'd do Pam. But I actually mentioned that in our episode where we talked about The Fire, and I thought of it as a cover-up, knowing what we knew, that Oscar was gay. I thought of oscar as covering it up because if you rewatch that scene it seems like he's really quick on kevin's heels to say that he would do pam so again that might just be my interpretation i thought that as well mindy kaling's actually a writer for the show so i mean 
she's right. probably more official than my opinion. But <laughs> still, if I go back and watch that scene, I still think that he's really quick to say Pam. Um, I mean, Kevin's quick to say Pam, too, but that's Kevin. Uh, it, it just, I don't know. For me, it seems Oscar, yeah, I want to fit in with the guys and say Pam as well, because I don't want anybody else to know my secret. So something to consider. That's what I thought, too. But I don't remember the first time watching that scene and remembering one way or the other. I, I'm sure I just assumed he was straight. So I, I have no clue. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly the goal in the moment. But just, again, with context and knowing what we know now, as of this episode, finally, it seems to me that he was covering up. But who knows? Who knows? I also wanted to mention the Jim and Michael Hooters scene. As I've mentioned before, I just adore Steve Carell. I think he's just a really, really good person. and uh, So it's always funny for me to hear some of his behind-the-scenes stuff. And apparently in the Hooters, which they did rent out a, a real Hooters, Steve initiated the penis game, which, if you don't know the penis game, it's where two people or a group of people start saying the word penis really quietly, and the winner is the one who can say it the loudest in a public place before getting too embarrassed and stopping. And it just makes me laugh that Steve Carell would start that in the middle of a working TV set. You know, just, I could never <laughs> um, work with him. I would just be dying laughing the whole time. Yeah, I think John even said that was taking it too far. but <laughs> It was still really yeah. funny. Now let's talk about some deleted scenes. Do you have any deleted scenes that you wanted to mention real quick? I do. Um, the original cold open for this episode was um, included in the deleted scenes. So Michael and Dwight are putting, golf putting, in Michael's office. And his world's best boss mug is broken. Michael is actually the one that breaks it, but Michael blames Dwight. But you know what? It's all okay because Michael goes back to his desk and pulls out a second world's best boss mug. <laughs> he has a backup just in case something were to happen to the original. I loved that. And it was funny because after he blamed Dwight for breaking the mug, Dwight asks, should I clean up my desk? Because he, he knows how important <laughs> my, that mug is to Michael. He thinks, oh, no, I've broken his world's best boss mug that he bought for himself. Am I fired? <laughs> I, I love that. And Michael wordlessly just walks back and gets out the new one and puts it in the same spot where it was when it shattered. But also in that same scene, Dwight is sort of like commentating Michael's putting. And Michael misses twice. And uh, on his second try, he says, Jack Nicholson for birdie. And Dwight looks up at the camera and says, Jack Nicholas. And instead of <laughs> conceding and admitting he was wrong, Michael says, it's it's a celebrity tournament. <laughs> <laughs> I also uh, wanted to point out that if you thought it was weird, as I did, that Jim comes back from Hooters with a Hooters shirt, it's okay. He does not buy it for himself. Michael actually buys Jim that Hooters shirt because he, cause Michael has one himself and he wants to match with Jim one day at work. So well, I remember when I first watched that, I was like, why? I mean, Jim is having not a very good time at Hooters. Why would he buy a shirt? He didn't. No, he didn't. And just speaking of the Hooters scene, there was one Michael scene that was actually pretty sad that I wanted to mention, where he's got his talking head at the Hooters, where he's, he says, you know, I, n I never rushed any fraternities because I don't believe in paying for friendships. So I made a decision to not accept any offers, and thankfully, none were made. So no one's feelings got hurt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so sad. Gee. Michael has no friends, and that's why he's so desperate for this friendship with Jim. It goes all the way back to college. It goes back even further, as we find out eventually, but uh, yes, we'll leave it at that for now. 
And uh, I think the last one I wanted to mention is just a little one where um, Michael makes Ryan help with spring cleaning in Michael's office. And they have a pile of, of stuff. They have a keep box and a toss box. And everything ends up back in the keep box, including a crossword <laughs> from 1999 uh, that Michael swears he will finish later. So he won't, but he's a bit of a hoarder, I guess. Just a little bit. Michael, it's funny that he initiates the spring cleaning, but he's the one who doesn't want to throw anything out. Well, let's go ahead and transition into our next episode, uh, which is episode 14 of season two called The Carpet. It aired on January 26th of 2006, was directed by Victor Nelly Jr., and written by our very own Toby, Paul Lieberstein. So in the carpet, a mysterious and smelly gift is left on the carpet of Michael's office. So when the cleaners and the warehouse guys are fixing the problem, Michael spends the day in what he calls the bullpen, or the main office, and is a distraction to everyone else. He takes Jim's desk and makes Jim move back to the annex, which is the back part of the office by Kelly, who talks Jim's ears off the entire day. Michael becomes convinced that the act in his office was a hate crime and an act of terrorism. And at the end of the day, he learns it was done by his best friend forever, Todd Packer. So it must be an act of love. Jim, as he prepares to leave the office, he's listening to the many voicemails that Pam has left him during the day while he was away from his desk. So uh, we get to see him leave with a smile. As you mentioned in the last episode, we got a taste of Kelly and... For this episode, we we meet full-fledged Kelly Kapoor. Kelly Kapoor, she's here. <laughs> she is such a jabberjaw. There's lots of talking about ultimately nothing of substance, and it's much to Jim's chagrin, I suppose. And Toby's, because as we learn, Toby used to sit at the desk where Jim is spending the day, and Kelly says that he had to move because of an allergy or something. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, really, Toby just couldn't handle it but as we learned toby doesn't really hear her anymore um, all, all that's separating them is a wall of a cubicle so i'm sure he can still hear everything but it doesn't even penetrate his brain at this point it's just white noise yeah it's funny that, that we we got that deleted scene where jim actually confronts toby about it and uh toby won't give him any sort of official answer as to why he moved desks uh jim says oh it's gonna be like that and toby just says yeah and then he said, that's when he says, oh, yeah, I don't even hear anymore. She sort of just like waves against a beach. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's also our first real glimpse of Kelly's interest in Ryan, too. This is where the whole Kelly Ryan, yes. will they, won't they kind of thing starts. She wants Jim to talk to Ryan and see if he likes her. And she won't do it because she's, quote, too shy. And she admits this as she's continually badgering Jim with a million pleases, lots of useless conversation. It's just so bothersome that she would she would call herself shy while pestering Jim so much. And they don't even really know each other either. It's just somebody to talk to. So moving on to some of our uh, main character interactions. So Michael in this episode gets to be the uh, big dog on campus. He is kicking his heels up on the desks, hands behind his head saying, oh, my job is so much harder than yours. My office stress, you would not even believe the stress I have to go under every day. Uh, you guys have it so easy. And Dwight is just lapping up every word he has to say with just the utmost respect for his job. And uh, I love when Michael says, you know, I used to sit right here. And Dwight says, no way. Like it was <laughs> amazing. <laughs> you used to sit here just like me. And it was <laughs> like meeting your idol. 
Yet he's, he's sitting at Jim's desk and he props up his feet and then Dwight does the same thing. And Michael says, don't ape me. And this is one episode after he aped Jim the entire time. <laughs> it's like such a, a double standard. Michael can ape other people, but nobody else can ape him, especially Dwight. He's not going to not going to deal with that. Right. Um, and he gets into his old antics like he did with Packer, allegedly, at least. Uh, he convinces Dwight to go raid accounting. And even though Dwight doesn't participate fully because Angela's over there and she gives him the death eyes and uh, he doesn't want to upset her. They, they go over there together. They throw papers everywhere. And it's just funny that this whole scenario makes Michael think about Todd Packer and his time spent with Todd Packer. And then it ultimately ends up being Todd Packer who started it all. It is a weird coincidence that that's such a focus of the episode. We don't see a whole lot of Todd Packer, but when he's there, holy moly, he's there. Uh, (laughs) This is a Todd Packer episode. Michael tells a couple of past stories of their time together at Dunder Mifflin. Um, One, he reveals that he actually used to sit at that cluster of desks alone. He said, I sat at Jim's desk. And Dwight says, who sat where I sit? And he says, actually, it was Todd Packer. Of course, Todd Packer is the company's traveling salesman. And so he doesn't perm- he wouldn't have permanently sat there. Michael said he just would have sat there when he was actually in the office. So I don't know if Michael just annoyed everybody else away or if they didn't have enough to fill up the entire cluster. But Michael sat by himself unless Packer was there. And then while he is out there, Michael decides to turn it into a sales contest. And so he well, first he puts the money behind the plaque next to his office. And then Daryl and Roy walk by and they're replacing his carpet or at least tearing out the old one that smells so bad. And he gets sort of shifty eyed and thinks, oh, these guys might steal my money that I put here. It's like he, he's racial profiling or whatever you want to call it. And so he decides right. to move that money to his computer screen instead where he can keep an eye on it. And Pam sees him do this and she just sort of rolls her eyes like, come on, Michael, you're better than this. But he, he does this sales contest. And when he makes his first sale, it's probably the first sale of everybody. And he does this ridiculous dance like he's showing off. But I, I didn't notice this in the in the, the normal episode, but in the deleted scenes, we see a chart of all the salespeople. So we have Phyllis, Stanley, Dwight, and Michael on this chart. And Michael is actually losing this sales contest. And so that adds extra weight to the moment when he decides, you know what? This isn't fair. I am going, we're, we're ending this. It's not like he was in the lead and decides to cancel the contest. He was losing and decides to cancel the contest, which is the same sort of thing he did back in basketball when they just barely managed to pull ahead and then he faked a foul so that they could win. It's the same sort of thing he pulls again now just because he thinks all of this is so unfair. The reason he thinks it's so unfair is because, well, one, the the present that was left on him in his car, uh, left for him on his carpet, but he starts to think that everybody's sort of conspiring against him and that this was an act of terrorism on the office. And he, he calls it a hate crime. He says, Stanley knows what I'm talking about. And Stanley says, that's not what a hate crime is. Michael says, well, I hated it a lot. <laughs> and so he calls in the previous manager, Ed Truck, which he had spoken ill of early in the episode, but he brings him in anyways, and he asks him about how he handled people not liking him. And Ed actually gives what I would consider solid advice. He says, you know, you're a boss first. Keep your workers workers. Keep your friends friends. Keep your family family. And Michael is totally against that. And though I think it was solid advice from Ed, I'm actually glad that Michael is against it because 
I think part of Michael's charm is how much he cares about people and about his workers in particular. When Michael does have a strength, that is his strength. I totally agree. When he does something really, really well, it's because he cares a lot about that person. But then it's shown pretty shortly after that he's also pretty fickle in that he'll turn on a dime if people don't like him the way he wants to be liked. And so he has a speech about giving people a kidney. He says, a week ago, I would have given any of these people a kidney. I would have reached right into my stomach and given it to them. <laughs> Not where your kidney is, Michael, but okay. Oh, but, you know. <laughs> and so he, he's upset with the, the people of the office at this point. But then Packer calls and reveals, did you get my package? And then Michael changes his mind and he's, oh, this is genius. This was brilliant comedy. I wish I had kept it. Yeah, he says, I'm just so sorry that I threw the thing out. <laughs> <laughs> right. He says, I, I love everyone in this office. All of these people are good people. We all have fun together. What a great place to be. Michael is so flip floppy. Yes, he cares about people. And when, well, when he does care about people, he's all in. But he he's fickle and he'll, he'll change his mind about somebody just based on how they think of him. If they don't think of him the way he wants to be thought of, then they're like dead to him almost. So moving on to Jim a little bit, we get some more subtle stuff between him and Pam this episode. So at the beginning of the episode, it's revealed that Pam was just on vacation in the Poconos. And that's pretty much just during the cold open. So Jim keeps looking up to reception where Ryan is sitting right now, filling in for Pam on vacation. And Ryan keeps, dude, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? Oh, nothing, says Jim. You know, of course, he's looking up out of habit as if Pam was sitting there. And then when Pam is back, Jim just sort of pretends that Pam's wedding being set and all of her wedding planning isn't bothering him. And, you know, he's just kind of blasé about the whole thing and doesn't weigh in on anything. Um, but at the end of the episode, like I mentioned earlier, Pam has left Jim voicemails because he wasn't at his desk all day and she was able to kind of talk to him that way, which makes him smile, especially since Roy was also in the office all day. And so Pam was talking to Roy and not to Jim, which I'm sure really hurt Jim's feelings because, you know, now the fiance's in, now he's back to not being anybody to her. There was even a moment at the very start of the episode when she first got back from her vacation where Jim approaches her and tries to make conversation. It was almost like she was cold to him, like she was almost avoiding a conversation. And that's when he just he, he tries to avoid her and Roy, of course, for the rest of the episode. Uh, but it does turn around when she leaves those voicemails and he, he the episode closes with him smiling because their relationship is still the way it needed or the way he wanted it to be at least at that moment he he accepts sort of that they can't be a couple but at least they're still friends uh and he was sort of worried about that one moment in the episode he was getting coffee and he looks out at reception and he sees pam and roy talking so he says okay i'm not going to go that way and then he looks back at the annex and there's kelly and so i'm not going to go that way and so instead of choosing between them he goes in the men's restroom and then for lunch, we find out uh, he doesn't want to eat with them either. And so he goes and he eats in his car that we see in a deleted scene. And it's all frosted over, right? It's, it's yeah, cold it's cold. I mean, it's, Jan it's January. Yeah, January in Pennsylvania. So poor Jim. He's also the go-between for Kelly and Ryan because Kelly wants to know if Ryan likes her. And so he talks to Ryan and Ryan's like, yeah, I'm into it. What does she want? Does she want something long-term or just something fun? And... He says, will you ask her? And Jim says, sure, why not? Uh, 
I guess so. And so he he's this back and forth for Ryan and Kelly. And then at the the end before, well, before the actual end, he calls Brenda, who we met in Booze Cruise, um, the, the person from corporate who was sort of watching Michael to see if his leadership presentation was going to be worth anything. And he calls her and asks her out. Uh, it's like he's trying really hard to move on. I thought that was interesting as well, because... We don't see any Jim-Brenda interaction during Booze Cruise, not even in deleted scenes or nothing really about it in the commentary. And then he asks her out. I guess maybe he just saw her on the cruise and thought, you know, she seemed someone he might get along with. Um, I guess at this point, though, he's probably just desperate for any kind of distraction from Pam. I almost thought of it as he's he doesn't have many options, not a knock against Brenda at all. But Jim goes to work and he goes home is sort of the way I picture his life because he goes to work and he's spending his time with Pam and that's perfect to him. He wants to spend time with Pam and when he leaves work, he's not going to be spending time with Pam because Pam's going to be with her fiance. So he doesn't know many other people outside of the office. So he contacts one of the only other women he does know outside of the office, who, which is Brenda. So that that was my thought, at least, was that Hey, she was around. She does. She's not half bad. Why not? Some sort of distraction, maybe. Which I guess Katie also was. He's a uh, who he also met in the office. I think you're right. His world is probably not too big at this point. What about some funny moments? What made you laugh in this episode? I love towards the beginning when Pam says, "You know, I I really try to wait on my vacation. I like to wait as long as possible so that I can really enjoy it." And this year, I made it to the third week in January. That's <laughs> uh, pretty telling of their, their office life every day. Also, the kind of crass moment we expect at least once an episode when everyone is first coming into the office in the morning and they're all just retching at the smell of this, I presume it's feces, I think, in Michael's office. Yeah. And um, everyone's just retching and gagging and Creed comes in and says, hey, guys, is, is someone making soup? <laughs> like, what a weird guy. Oh, my gosh. I can never get enough of him. The the look Michael gives him in that moment. I, I paused my TV. Me watching The Office for preparation is lots of pausing and playing so that I can get a note down without missing something else. And so I paused it right after that because I was laughing and I wanted to make sure I noted it. And it I, I it paused right on this look that Michael gives Creed like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> and in that same moment, Michael has sent Kevin in to investigate the smell. And Michael closes his door on him <laughs> as Kevin, Kevin comes back to the door. He's like desperately knocking Michael. I need to get out. I can't, I can't hold my breath this long, Michael. <laughs> and then he goes with his talking head. It smelled terrible. <laughs> so bad. I also love that. Roy and Daryl, okay, so the, the cleaning lady has been sent in at first to try to just clean up the mess, but it turns out that's not enough to get the smell out. So Roy and Daryl from the warehouse then go up to replace the carpet. And they're in there quite a while, and we see that they're actually just napping and drinking beer in the office with the blinds closed. <laughs> they're not actually doing anything. They've, they've taken out the carpet, and they're just chilling. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> hey, although I guess they can stay on the smell, but that's, I guess, beats doing work. And then not to mention the the cold open with Ryan, where he, he says, Jim's kind of been staring at me a lot this week. 
and I would be creeped out by it, but it's nothing compared to the way Michael stares at me. And then we cut to Ryan. He's just sort of chilling out at reception and he glances over to Michael's office and Michael is just standing there behind open blinds, like literally staring like straight ahead, right at Ryan, no movement, wide eyes. And it's real creepy is what it is. And then after he notices that Ryan is looking after a couple of seconds of just standing there, he tries to play it off all nonchalant and he's so unsuccessful. <laughs> Being this sort of anonymous incident for most of the episode, um, everybody gets a chance to share their opinions on who it was or what it was or whatever. And so at the very beginning, we get Jim and Ryan and Talking Heads saying that it wasn't them uh, who left this gift for Michael in his carpet. Oscar saying he understands it, but it was wrong. And the whole time he's laughing. Pam saying that someone did something bad to Michael's carpet and that's all they need to know because Michael's being particularly awful. And so he, she's thinking in the moment that he kind of deserved it. And so we don't really know, need to know who it was. It just, it happened. And then Oscar and Creed are joking with each other about how they thought the other one did it and they're having a laugh about it. And then just moving into our deleted scenes, um, we get a couple more characters talking about the accident. So Dwight talks about the accident as a gift because it leads to Michael sitting next to him in the meantime. And it's funny, he he says, a woman I know would call it a, a gift from God or something to that effect. And he's talking about Angela. Right. He says, I don't know about that. Of course. But uh, he's talking about Angela and then Angela has her moment and she thinks it was Kevin because it's his sort of sense of humor. And then Kevin says, whoever did this is a genius. He's just having a good laugh about it. It is very much his sense of humor, but it wasn't Kevin who actually did it. I love that when Jim and Kelly are back there, Jim's attempting to work. Kelly's just talking. Kelly looks over on Jim's computer and there's a picture of something. And uh, it's it's a, a hotel in the Poconos. And Kelly says, oh, that's pretty, blah, blah, blah. And the Poconos is where Pam was just on her vacation with Roy. So Jim is... I, I'm not sure why looking at hotels in the Poconos, maybe some like self-torture, like, is this where they were staying? Or maybe, you know, in a perfect world, that's where he and Pam would go. But it was really sad. That is sad. Oh, it broke my heart. And then the last one I had that I wanted to mention for deleted scenes was when uh, Dwight loses a sale, Michael insists that he call the customer back and try to get the sale back by telling a joke. Dwight's joke doesn't work. And so Michael takes the phone back and says, sorry about that. Dwight's an idiot. And um, <laughs> Michael steals the sale. And we actually learned during that, that Dwight used to work at McDonald's uh, in that deleted scene, which would kind of make sense. I don't know why, but I can just see him in that uniform, like selling fries. I don't know why. And I love what he says about that. He says, when, when I was in the fast food industry, I was actually commended by management for the three M's. McService, McCompetence, <laughs> and McPunctuality, <laughs> which is, I don't know, I can also perfectly picture McDonald's having some sort of slogan like that or some sort of employee checklist right. <laughs> of the three M's where it's service, competence, and punctuality, except you put look in front of it because it's McDonald's. Everything's the M's. <laughs> <laughs> and then one more Dwight moment I had from the deleted scenes was when he's in the break room and it's after he's lost a sale and Michael has humiliated him on the phone and he says i know i'm not standing up for myself you don't have to to chastise me about it it's complicated with michael and she responds and says you could outsell michael any day and he just he smiles it's a sweet moment <laughs> it is 
Well, I think that wraps up our 10th episode of An American Workplace. You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash workplacepod or at workplacepod on Twitter. Please remember, if you want to, to please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And uh, you can email feedback, ideas, questions, anything really, to workplacepod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at ktlady623 or on Facebook at facebook.com slash katie.white. The best place to find me is at chadadada on Twitter, also facebook.com slash chad.hopkins, and you can listen to my other podcast, the Cinescope Podcast, where we talk about the movies we love and why we love them um, on our website, thecinescopepodcast.com, or you can find it wherever other podcasts can be found. Show notes and all contact information can be found at our website, workplacepodcast.com. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us to watch one of our favorite shows, The Office, here on Episode 10 of An American Workplace. Be sure to join us in in Episode 11 for our discussion on the next two episodes of Season 2, Boys and Girls and Valentine's Day. Thanks so much. Bye. See ya. (laughs) Thank you.